Lauren McCarroll. I'm here with Novelty Growth and Wave One Media, and we're interviewing Dylan Jacob, founder and CEO of Roommate this evening. Dylan, what's up? How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. We are happy to have you, and we're happy to learn more about you and your phenomenal products that we are extremely impressed with here. We can't wait to tell everybody about them. Um, give us a little feel for who you are and what your products are. And Yeah, uh, so my name is Dylan Jacob. I'm 24. I'm born and raised here in Indianapolis. Um, I have always had a knack for entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, it was just something like when I was a kid, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess we kind of went back to when like I was younger, I guess my parents, they like provide the necessities, but like anything that I wanted that was considered frivolous, like new gaming consoles, stuff like that. They were yeah. like, oh, like you have to work for that yourself. Oh, I get that. My and dad was so, like, like, here's five bucks for lunch, bring me the change. And yeah. I was like, oh good, I'm eating gum for lunch, dad, thank you. Yeah, and like, I mean, we weren't poor, so like I don't play that story, but like they were like very good with their money yeah. and like anything extra that I wanted, like BB gun, like new gaming console, new games, whatever, like I had to figure out how to come up with the money. So I either had to wait till my birthday and use birthday money or like figure it out. So yeah. um, they like kind of instilled like a good work ethic in me when I was younger. And uh, I mean, I would do like little odd jobs for neighbors. I created flyers, I bought my own lawnmower, like had a little lawnmowing company, Very like cool. had a snowblower, did like snowblowing. Like I always kind of had just like a, like hustlers mentality. Very nice. Um, I can thank my parents for that, but uh that kind of like carried on into high school and stuff i was like looking for a car my parents wouldn't buy me a car so what was I, the dream car let us know i don't so at the time it was a ford explorer and i have no idea why like nothing super special about a ford explorer <laughs> but like 16 year old me wanted like subs and like 22 inch rims and like blacked out and like i just i remember i had seen this ford explorer that was all blacked out and like it didn't look like ghetto it looked like really classy they had like this sick system inside and I was like that's what I want and further like that was eighth grade so from then on I was like that's what I'm gonna get see that's more practical than me I thought I was gonna <laughs> get a DeLorean from Back to the Future so you're also <laughs> up against Doc Brown who is my favorite inventor <laughs> so maybe you're gonna be my new favorite inventor we'll see we'll see yeah uh, <laughs> so I mean that was kind of like the introduction to that and then that just carried on so I mean, I did take forever to tell like the entire story in one sentence, but that was kind of like how I got started. Um, what was the know. moment of inspiration? Like, when did the aha moment come where you came up with this idea? For a roommate specifically? Yeah. Uh, so, freshman year of high school. So this is my third company actually. This okay. roommate's not my first oh, company. Casual. Um, so like the, my first company started off as like a side hustle. I uh, my first job was at Pizza Daroma. Worked as a pizza boy. When I was 15 and then when I was 16 I got a job at Best Buy I worked in Best Buy Mobile and I always saw people coming with like broken phones yeah. and at the time like repair shops weren't a huge thing here in Indy um, people had to like send in or their phones or they were super sketchy places yeah too. it was like, like off East Washington Street like 38th Street or whatever <laughs> like, like, where am I <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so at the time I kind of saw an opportunity there so what I would do like I didn't necessarily do phone repair but I would buy people's broken phones for super cheap and then I would like fix them and then resell them okay um so that like that was like a side hustle um and then repair start repair shops started popping up here in india and they're like take my business so i'm like um at the time i had started like importing parts from china to like make my repairs cheaper and i was yeah. like you know what like i'm gonna go to these repair shops and see where they're getting their parts for maybe i can just sell them the parts to do their repairs yeah so i like, go above them like they cut me out of business i'll go above them i'll create a product for them create value Fantastic. um so my first real company was called GB Supply Company. So I started that middle of sophomore year of high school. Um, 
by senior year, I had over 60 repair shops that we worked with. Wow. A lot of those were based here in Indy. We had, uh, we were CPR Wireless, they're a franchise chain for cell phone repair. Um, and it was like a really, I mean, it was like my first company. I mean, it wasn't anything like insane. Mm -hmm. um, we had done over six figures in sales, which was like, at the time as an 18 year old was like, That's I huge. thought I was a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I actually wanted to be an engineer though. So that's like the part that kind of gets left out. Yeah. Um, I actually was accepted to Purdue for engineering. Fantastic. I interned at Rolls Royce here downtown for six months. I absolutely hated it. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So I left Purdue, came to IUPUI for a semester, mm -hmm. uh, took like random classes. I was running my business chief supply company still at the time out of an apartment off of like Rutland College. Yeah. And um, I hated school there and I like still didn't know what I wanted to do and I'm like like I am already running a business what am I doing so I uh, took a semester off and just like focused on that and then three four months later our franchise customer CPR offered to buy us out I sold the company to them and then um, the second company is a super long story so I'm not going to take up a lot of time with that but um, it was basically like a high-end tile company, so I imported like glass tile for kitchen remodels and backsplashes and then sold it to um, like tile dealers and Wayfair and Overstock and places like that. Um, and then third company, Brewmate, um, is like my pride and joy. And it actually started, so um, when I was going to, when it, the whole reason I wanted to go to Purdue was I still wanted to do entrepreneurship, but I just thought that like the idea of creating my own product without a degree, like product development and design and stuff without a degree was just like so far-fetched because uh, I didn't know anything about it at the time. And so I wanted to go to Purdue for product development and design mm -hmm. and then eventually like start my own company, create my own product, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so like over time, like running the like smaller companies that I had, I learned like a lot of tips and tricks and like the ins and outs of business and sourcing and like product development design and everything else. Um, and so, yeah, like December 2015, I was at a Christmas party and everyone was drinking their uh, their beers and I had my 16 ounce Sun King, shout out. <laughs> and uh, everyone had these like stainless steel beer koozies. Uh, they were like an insulated stainless steel beer koozie they had just mm -hmm. gotten, I think they had just released that year. And they're for 12 ounce beers. So like I went home after that and uh, I was like, I wanna find that product but for my beer. Yeah. And uh, so I searched like high and low, couldn't find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm gonna make it. So, uh, my first customer was actually Sun King Brewing. That's fantastic. I went to the founders. Um, I met up with Clay here and I was like, hey, this is my idea. Like, I'm going to invest a little bit of money into just like a really shitty, crappy <laughs> prototype. <laughs> prototype. And uh, I just want to see if I can like launch it in your guys' gift store and see how your customers react. Because at the time, they didn't have 12 ounce skins, they only had 16. Yeah. Um, so, July 2016, we finally had like our first prototype with Oxlater Trio done. Um, so that's this product here. And uh, we launched it in their store, it, like flew off the shelves, people loved it. Um, there was a lot of things that still needed to be tweaked and like different things, like the final cost to create this product is super high. The original product that we made was like a really, 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 really like bad version. And, like it functioned, like functionally it worked, mm -hmm. but like aesthetically and like the different features that we have now, it didn't happen. It wasn't like the vision, it's, it yeah. wasn't really um, So like I just always call that like my MVP is like the minimum product that we yeah. launched um, yeah that's like that's what started it all and then um, once we started launched like I, I have like a digital marketing background that's what I'm always I've always been you familiar have so with. many backgrounds it's well nice. I mean like the, all my other companies <laughs> were mainly like online like I right. never like went met up with people in person or like yeah. pitch retailers like everything was online I've got all my customers online right. like 
and that was what I was comfortable with and familiar with. Um, so like, you know, the Sun King thing was really like super out of the ordinary for me. Yeah. Um, so kind of I kind of did it backwards. Yeah. yeah. But then when I went to launch them online, like people just weren't reacting very well. Yeah. And so what I figured out was, was that men, which is who I thought my target demographic was at the time, are extremely hard to sell to online. Interesting. And so we, you know, I like made the switch. I started releasing like our wine lines. So we have like the wine slater, it holds a full bottle of wine, keeps it cold for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I have um, our Uncork series. It's a 14 ounce wine glass. It keeps it uh, like ice cold for like four to six hours. Uh, it holds over half a bottle of wine. But like the entire company made the shift to uh, like a feminine based company. I mean, it's like, yeah. that's what our product lines are, but we still have like masculine products that we market to those women and just upsell Oh yeah, them I already know what I'm getting my dad for Christmas. Yeah, he sold yeah. me and right? so like, it, how easy was that, right? Like all, the, all these guys are so skeptical. They're like, <laughs> uh, I might buy it. Yeah, like I'm gonna buy three for myself <laughs> and then I'm gonna buy my brother one and my dad one. And like, that's what we figured out what works though. Like, so we yeah, have a ton hard. of products for men, um, but we use the women to like distribute them. <laughs> That's no, whatever works for you. There's been so many interesting points that you brought up in this story, and I kind of want to dial back. So, yeah. you can't teach talent, and you obviously had a knack for entrepreneurship and you were mechanically minded, but I'm wondering where you found the confidence and how you acquired the skills to be 18 years old and just know that you could do it. Yeah, so like, I don't, I don't think that like I possess any special like superpower or skill and if you talk to anyone that's in this industry that's like had any success like you know all the people that like I talk to um, they're not special and they don't have superpowers I've never met anyone I was like wow like that guy's just like an absolute genius um, the biggest thing is like just having confidence in yourself one yeah. and then two being able to hold yourself accountable right so like when you're self-employed you don't have anyone sitting around telling you what to do Oh, you yeah. don't like no one's setting your alarm for you no one's putting together your to-do to -do, to -do list no one's monitoring your calendar no one's like you know if something needs to get done like you have to do it yourself right. and that's the biggest thing is like a lot of people they're like oh i have this great idea but like i don't know where to start on it exactly and, it's like, and that's kind of the interesting thing that i'm thinking about it sounds like it was very organic for you like you were doing something just to kind of help people out because you're good at it and you yeah. found your way through it but then you just took it to this whole next level so quickly with your first company and it just kind of started progressing yeah, so it was always like the self-confidence thing. Like yeah. I invest in myself, I believe in myself, and so like I'm willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of people, they're like, I have this great idea, but like I'm scared. And I'm yeah. like, you're not self-confident. Right. Like, and honestly, and I tell them, I'm like, if you're not willing to take a bet on yourself, like why would anyone else take the bet on you? Yeah. So like I, you know, we don't have any investors personally, but like I've talked with people before that have like been interested in investing in the company. We get approached all the time. And like everyone that I talk to, like the biggest thing that they look for uh, and this is like really applicable to anyone else that's looking to raise money is like they want to see that you're out there like grinding and you're confident in your vision and you've already taken the steps to like you've gotten as far as you can without taking their money right right like no one wants you just like walk in their door and be like hey i have this great idea like give me money yeah absolutely. Like, why should i give you money like well you know i've been grinding for two years like i have prototypes i have like our target demographic figured out i've already done some testing like blah 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 um and so like that that's really it like i'm just i'm self-confident and not in like an egotistical sense but i'm confident in like the projects that i work on like i won't work on something if i don't think i can make it work right and if i do think i can make work i have like laser focus and like it's like i obsess about it like Absolutely. ocd like every second of the day i'm thinking about like how can i make my company better i'm constantly changing um and i think that's what different chases from the competition too like 
I have a private Facebook group for our customers. It's like 4,000 members. I saw that. I creeped online a little bit. And yeah. it, I, you can't find a negative thing about anything you've done. Not that I was looking, but yeah. it's just overwhelmingly <laughs> positive. Like the reactions from people. And people are like posting pictures of their stuff and personalizing it and making it just like a part of their day and just raving about it. And that's huge. I mean, word of mouth like is still a really big way to hear about things. Yeah, so it's, I mean, I don't necessarily use them as like a sales team. But the biggest thing for me is like customer feedback and yeah. like being able to take criticism. So that's another thing too, is like a lot of people, like you should have seen my first product for the hop slider, right? <laughs> but like I knew that that wasn't the finished product. Right, like I right. could look at it and go, this is horrible, but <laughs> I don't have great. the money to the make it. The name's great, <laughs> but. <laughs> this is horrible, I don't have the money to make it great yet. So like I'll, you know, I wanna make sure that I can, uh, you know, verify that people actually want this before I like invest all my money right absolutely um but that's where a lot of people fail is like they they look at their first idea and they think that's what they're going to end with yeah and they're like this is it like no changes i'm not willing to listen like to any feedback people tell them they're wrong and they're like no like you're wrong and that's not right like i from the very beginning have always listened to our customers we send out customer surveys i have a private facebook group where literally before we release any new product line any new color scheme like anything i literally say hey like what do you guys think of this and i have four or five hundred comments from people that are like i love it or i hate it or change this or right. like do this color or like i'll send out like bi-weekly like emails or like follow-ups in the group like hey has anyone had an interaction with our customer service like how are they doing i want to hear from you right or like anything on the website you want to see changed and so there's no other brands out there that are doing that like right. people love the idea of like most brands out there aren't personable yeah. They're just, it's like a big conglomerate when you think of a brand like, I don't know, just think of any random company. Like, who's the, girl the first next big to brand? You, well, the girl next to you in Forbes that I was looking up. By the way, everyone, he was in Forbes 30 under 30. This man is killing it. Let's just slide that in there real quick. But the girl who was next to you, she she's also doing super successful with her company. I ordered because I thought her product was phenomenal, all this stuff. And they're a big company, but I got a handwritten thank you note on my yeah. order. And like that to me, I was like, this is the sweetest. I can tell someone wrote this to me. Like yeah. that means something. So that's a millennial thing. Like that is something that you don't traditionally see with larger brands. Like when you look at these like hundred, two million, two hundred million dollar brands that have taken 20 years to grow, it's like word of mouth and like hundreds of millions of dollars of advertising and tons of investment and everything else. And like the way it is now is like you can run super lean, you can run like start a company. And if you're listening to your customers and being personable, like people will follow a person more than they'll follow a brand. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, like, because we can follow them everywhere. I mean, it's so interesting now. Celebrities are so like touchable. Like you can just see their updates by the second, what they're doing, what they're wearing. Here's a link to buy what I'm wearing. Here's yeah. a link to buy what I'm eating. Like. It's crazy. You can see anything. So the fact that you are personable and you're reaching out and you're communicative and confident enough in yourself, but still open-minded is phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, I really, I think that like, if anyone's listening to this and you're thinking about starting a company, like the biggest thing is one, having the self-confidence to make that first jump, whether that's like launching a really like crappy, uh, minimum viable product that you can just kind of put out there and get feelers and like take that feedback and go back and create a new product or whether you're just talking with like your target demographic and getting feedback on your idea like that's another thing like a lot of people are so scared to tell everyone because they think they're going to take your idea but it's like right. realistically like i there's seven billion people in the world you're not the first person to have the idea but you can be the first person to bring it to life oh yeah i mean i so, have a business idea and the only <laughs> people i've talked to about it are my parents 
Yeah, so like figure out who you think your target demographic is and go and talk to everyone you can and tell them that. Like no one's gonna take your idea. Yeah. And like the best thing you can get is the feedback. So then like, cause again, like when I started this company, if I wasn't willing to listen, I could have spent an entire year trying to build a company right. around like a male demographic. Yeah. And then and we that, just went out of like business. That's like, so interesting. I find that really interesting. Yeah, so it was like just constantly. I mean, that's how like the brand starting to what it is today is like, Every day I'm listening to feedback, every day I'm making little changes, doing different things behind the scenes to make sure that like I'm listening to customers and providing exactly what they want. So you seem very self-made and like your success is obviously from within yourself, but who do you rely on? Like who motivates you? Who keeps you going? Yeah, so I am very Mm -hmm. self-reliant. I don't read books. I don't listen (laughs) to motivational podcasts to keep me motivated. Like... Uh, it's just been one of those things that again like I wake up in the morning and it's like this is my baby this is what I'm passionate about like Mm -hmm. this isn't a company to me it's my hobby like you you know some people out there are like super passionate about like biking or they're super passionate about working out or they're super passionate about snowboarding or like sports or whatever it is Um, and for me like my passion is my company and so that makes it really easy like I don't ever feel like I'm working when I wake up in the morning I'm excited to like figure out like what can I do today to make like my company better I think that's um, the dream is waking up and feeling so passionate about something and also it's making you a crap ton of money yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that doesn't hurt <laughs> so so I mean it's just it's dangerous to rely on a person or a thing for motivation mm-hmm. because what if that thing goes away yeah. right so like what if you have a mentor who's always there for you and like guides you through everything and then one day like he passes away tragically yeah. Right? Bed, and then you're like, man. oh no, like I know what I'm not self sufficient. I don't know what to do. Or like the podcast you listen to randomly goes off the air and there's no more new content. Like oh, yeah. where are you going to get your motivation from? So right. like you really have to be able to self motivate. Like a piece of advice I give to people is trust yourself. Trust yourself. Like when you get to that point when it's I'm going to make a decision or this is going to happen one way or it's going to happen the other way. Trust yourself to make the right decision. Like yeah. I was so scared when I graduated, I wasn't going to have a job or this wasn't going to happen and blah, 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 blah. And I was hustling all these side jobs while being a full-time student and yeah. having a social life. And when it came to it, I had, I had places at both. Like I was offered jobs at both places because I trusted myself enough to know that I was going to put in the work. I was going to put in the time. I was yeah. not going to let myself fail. So I've been saying that to a lot of my friends who are recently graduating, like trust yourself that when the moment comes, you're going to know what to do and you're going to yeah. handle it. Yeah. And again, like, so I mean it's kind of the same thing like you hear about people who get a college degree Mm -hmm. uh, in one field and then they like figure out that it's really tough to get a degree in that field but what they don't realize is or not a degree a job in that field I'm sorry what they don't realize is though there's like typically like with any degree you can get jobs in like a variety of different fields and like some will also line up with like your passions as well so Mm -hmm. like I met a lot of engineers that like went to school for mechanical engineering or whatever else and then they end up in like pharmaceutical sales or like something else oh, yeah. completely different. I mean, like the VP of my so company stuck. right now started in right. landscape architecture. Yeah. He handles sponsorship. Like what? Crazy. Yeah. So. so I mean, it's not like, like once you have a degree, honestly, like degrees just show people that you have the work ethic to like see things through, right? Were you so, frightened? Like, Were you frightened to not? To not have a degree? Yeah. Uh, I come from a family that's like, so like my grandpa integrated here or immigrated here um, 1955 mm-hmm. and uh, so all of his kids, like he had never went to college, no one in our family went to college, so all of his kids, like that was the base thing that he pushed for, it was like everyone goes to school, everyone gets a good degree, everyone gets a good job. Right. Um, and so like everyone in my family is really successful, uh, like after my grandfather, and 
so yeah, I was like going to be the first generational dropout. I mean, like everyone in my family is like lawyers, doctors, like everything else, engineers. Like my uncle's the VP of Citizens Energy. Um, my other uncle, he's a vascular surgeon at Community East. So like, yeah, it was like you go, you know. I'm like, oh no, like how do I tell everyone? I'm like, Swipe a little bit. leaving school, and they're all huge Purdue fans too. So it was like right. a huge. They're like, you made it into Purdue, and you're just like leaving. And I'm like, oh yeah. Um, but my family, I mean, I think it took a while for like the majority of my family to kind of catch on. Um, but like my parents from day one were supportive because they yeah. grew up like seeing my work ethic and they knew like no matter what, like if I was willing to leave school, it was for a good reason. Like, yeah, absolutely. They knew that I just, I made like calculated decisions. I wasn't just going to like leave on a whim right. and like hope it worked out. Like if I left, like I was going to make it work out somehow. Right. Um, so from day one, like again, shout out to my parents, but <laughs> they were always really supportive uh, of like everything that I've done throughout my entire life. That's so fantastic. it's been a huge, huge thing for me. I also think it highlights millennials get a lot of crap about being millennials and the various negative things that come from that. But I think one of the most beautiful things about millennials is the fact that we realize there's not one straight and narrow path to success or to being a person or to being happy. I think we're the generation that fights for being happy as long as you're not harming anyone. Like, take your own path, figure it out, do it yeah. your own way. And like, there's multiple different ways to any destination. So. Yeah, yeah, I so you're I mean, definitely a firm, you know, you're a firm believer in that and you've proven that you can do it. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing too is uh, like money won't make you happy. So yeah. that's that's like a true statement. Um, and if you are just going to school to get like a really well paying degree because you want the money, mm -hmm. like you're gonna hate your job. Yeah. And after five, 10 years, you're going to be burnt out and you're going to hate it. And then you're going to be 35 going through a midlife crisis and you're going to quit your job randomly when you have two kids and your family might end up homeless. And that's honestly... Oh, the spiral. <laughs> spiral so quickly. Wow. No, okay. No, no, but like the, the, the point is... We crack one of those kids that are so cold over there. <laughs> so that was a little dramatic, but like the, the point is, is that like there are so many ways to do like integrate what you're passionate about yeah. and figure out a way to make money while doing it. Yeah. And like, that's what millennials have figured out. Like you have our, the older generation where it was always like, go to college, get a degree, have a family, provide for them, retire, go golfing, take vacations when you're 65 and die when you're 70. And it's like, our generation's like, no, like I'm passionate about, you know, uh, art. And so I'm going to be a graphic designer. Yeah. And I make six figures doing it. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, like you have a liberal arts, or a liberal, liberal arts degree. Like, what are you going to do with that? It's like, there's so many things you can do with that. What am I not going to do <laughs> yeah, with that? Like, yeah, like, again. Elaborate for you. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, there literally is a market for everything. Yeah. Like, the world's huge. There's a market for everything. There, any skill set that you have, there's a way you can make money. You just have to, like, hustle your way to that point. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's what millennials have figured out. And I think that like older generations scared of that. Yeah. So do you feel that people put pressure on themselves to figure out what the next big thing's going to be or the next new invention or what can I create that hasn't been created before? Blah, 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 blah. Should they just let it come naturally from their passions or yeah. what's your advice on that? Um, so like investment groups. And this is like, I'm going to kind of go on a spin here, but like investment groups, they're always looking for that next big thing. And yeah. the entire way that they work is like they'll invest in like 20, 30 tech companies and dump a ton of money into them. 
and the majority of them fail and like one or two will succeed mm -hmm. and it makes up the difference right? right right so like behind that though you have 20 25 companies that are made up of 30 40 employees right that are now jobless and the people that started those companies are like without you know like their business failed yeah um and so when you start talking to the people that started those companies you realize that like they're all chasing that unicorn company creating i mean every person that i've ever met that runs like a large tech company that's it. it's like oh yeah like we're gonna take a hundred million dollars investment and, like start a billion dollar company that's what they all chase and it's like we're gonna be the next we're gonna be the next yeah it's well, we're gonna be, be the next well, why don't we be our own original thing I think yeah that's... but it's like when you look at the companies that actually succeeded like snapchat and stuff like that like most of them came from like a dorm room like it was just something they started yeah. for fun and people saw the value in it mm -hmm. and then they like scaled it they never like you seriously think that when steve jobs or when mark zuckerberg or like any of these guys started their companies they're like this is going to be a you know 100 billion dollar or trillion dollar company like that was not it that yeah. vision changes over time like when they first started it was something that they thought that they could add value to the world and like so that's where I always tell people is like you probably aren't going to create a billion dollar company I mean just, <laughs> just realistically like I don't think I'm going to create a billion dollar company I mean maybe but I'm not involved in tech and anything outside of tech that's a pretty significant thing um, so you just kind of have to be realistic one mm -hmm. and say like how can I provide value what am I not just passionate about but what am I knowledgeable about like yeah. if there's something in your life that you have experience with and you think you can make it better mm -hmm. make it better like you might not think it's a huge idea but there could be an entire like niche out there of people that are just waiting for this product to be made oh my gosh you're hyping me up i'm thinking about my company and it's yeah gonna, it's gonna be so lit. yeah i mean so like <laughs> people are so scared but like seriously i mean the guy that created the pet rock like he made millions of dollars off of a pet rock can you elaborate <laughs> for those of us who don't know what you're talking about you don't know about the pet rock tell story. me please tell me Oh my gosh. That was so like back in, I think it was the eighties and don't like quote me word for word for this. Cause I like, I've just heard this story in passing and I've looked it up a few times, but I don't okay. know it in detail, but there was a mail order service. So this is in the eighties. Okay. I, I love the eighties. I'm okay. very eighties nostalgic. It was in my stranger things t-shirt. <laughs> this is a podcast, but so all of you know, I've referenced back to the future and I'm wearing a stranger Things. Please continue. Please continue. So it literally was a mail order service for a pet rock. Okay. And the guy that created it literally sold like millions of pet rocks through a mail order. So it's like this is before the era of like digital marketing. Like this dude yeah. literally somehow created like a grassroots it was like campaign. print ads and like newspapers <laughs> and stuff. It was like a mail order service. People like I don't even know how that worked back then. Like maybe you sent cash in the mail. I don't even know. And then got a pet rock in return. Did he have googly eyes? I don't know. I need to know. I but gotta look it up I, later. Like, how many times a day though do you get Facebook ads or like you watch Shark Tank or you'll see a product in the store oh, yeah. and you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. But like, it would not exist if there weren't people out there that thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. It's true. It's and true. so just because you don't like it doesn't, or like the 10 people you know in Indiana don't like it doesn't mean that the 7 billion other people in the world aren't going to. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's it. Like if you, I mean, if you do something and you think you can add value, you have to realize that there are probably millions of other people out there that do the exact same thing as you and it probably ran into the same problem mm -hmm. and like want that product right now. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's it. It's just, I, I think that you need to create value and it's, that goes more, like when I created this company, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to become a billionaire of selling beer koozies. Mm -hmm. It was like, I literally drink 16 ounce beers. No one makes it. 
I want to make it and like I've created this product for myself and like hopefully other people like it too oh I mean it's phenomenal I need you to do the sound effect I gotta hear it <laughs> not only does this product work and look great but it has sound effects and that's important to me all right go oh it's so good <laughs> yeah so this is actually uh, one of our patented technologies but it's called the push lock design so you don't actually have to screw anything off you just push it in has, oh my god, every time. Has air channels, <laughs> the air pushes out, it suctions the uh, the can inside, and then when you're ready, you can either pull it out or you can screw it off, whatever's easier for you. Um, something I'm proud of, though. Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's my personal favorite part. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Can you give us a rundown of all the products you've got, just for anybody who's curious? Yeah, uh, so the Hopslater Trio was our flagship product. Um, so that's this right here. Um, and it's actually also this right here. So the Hop Slider Trio fits 16 ounce cans. Um, so you just push that straight down inside. And then uh, it also has an adapter. So it's like a little freezable like ice puck adapter. Think nice. of like a lunchbox ice pack. Yeah. That drops inside and allows you to use 12 ounce cans in there. Amazing. Yeah. And then oh, I would- there's more. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, like, I took it a step further and I was like, not everyone drinks beer out of a can. So like, what about people that like go and buy beer from their local brewery and a growler and right. they're like out camping? Yeah. Um, so it actually has a lid too. Um, so whenever you screw this off, the lid pushes down and it turns into a pint glass. Old 17 fluid That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, All right. First product, uh, this one in the front, this is the noser. So this is the world's first stainless steel nosing glass for whiskey. Um, so all the other nose and glasses on the market, they're made out of glass. And in order to get the proper shape for a nose and glass, they have to use a special manufacturing process that makes the glass extremely brittle. Like you literally could flick it and like it'll shatter or crack. So if your whiskey's got you tipsy, you're not going to break your glass. Yeah. So we tout it as the unbreakable nosing glass. I love it. Um, and aside from the fact that it's insulated, it'll keep your eyes super chill if you're into drinking whiskey with ice. Um, it'll also maintain your, the temperature of your whiskey. So if you're uh, if you like your drink whiskey at like a certain temperature you can pour it inside here go out in the sun and it's not going to warm your whiskey up that's amazing uh, and then it's also really cool for like traveling camping places where you obviously wouldn't be able to take yeah. that previously um and then we have the hop slider slim so the hop slider slim was the one that actually this is the whole reason i created that gasket design okay um but it's for 12 ounce slim cans. So it's like those fancy sparkling waters that all the, the yeah. girls are drinking now. That'll fit it. So fun fact about this can size. Um, there is not a single koozie on the planet, including neoprene, okay. unless it's custom made that fits that can. Ah. Last year, there were 350 million cases of that can sold in the United States alone between Mick Ultra, Truly, uh, White Claw, truly spark or uh, uh, sparkling and then like all of your um like they have the, the just regular sparkling waters like lacroix and companies like that um and then there's also like red bull and i mean there's a ton of can or a ton of companies that use that can size no one created anything for it so all those trendy drinks were warm yeah all this time they've been warm so i was like hey i need to fix that for people yeah um so hop slater slim just launched a month and a half ago and this has actually been our most successful launch ever we had 30,000 units that came in. I calculated that it was going to last us two months, and we sold it in four days. That's fantastic. Four, four days. That's amazing. So, yeah, apparently a lot of people were really upset about drinking oh, warm, yeah. sparkling beverages and Red Bulls. Um, 
so yeah resounding success there like a lot of our products they most of them do well mm -hmm. um, but we always have like stars and those are the ones that we really hone in on yeah, uh, especially with digital advertising so um, the biggest thing you have to take into account for with digital advertising is your cost per acquisition for customers. Mm -hmm. And so like I need the cheapest click possible to get customers to our website and then I can upsell them with other products that are more expensive to convert right. with. So like the Hop Slater Slim is our success story. So like I'll advertise everything through that and then when they get to the website I'll sell them wine glasses. Oh yeah. And That's stuff like fantastic. that. Because it's cheaper to advertise for that than it is for this. Um, the Wine Slater, so this was actually our second product that I ever launched. This was uh, what I tiptoed into the uh, like feminine demographic with. Uh, it is a wine canteen, holds a full bottle of wine, keeps it cold for over 24 hours. Oh yeah, my um, mother Fiona is getting one for Christmas. I'm yeah, they're, they're really cool, but so I mean a lot of people are like, well why do I need it cold for 24 hours? So two things, in the United States, uh, most campsites and most beaches are glass free zones. Yeah. So, and pools. And pools, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, and like concerts, places like Coachella, places I like that. I personally am a wine drinker and I get annoyed anytime someone invites me to the pool because I'm like, well, what am I? Yeah, what do I do? even like national parks, like there are a lot of places where you can't take glass. Yeah. Um, so if you can't take glass, that also means you can't take wine. Yeah. And if you can't take wine, then you're upset. So. My heart <laughs> talking about it, you heard it before. Uh, the other thing too is like it eliminates the need for ice. So if you're out boating, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to throw your wine in a cooler. You literally can pour it in here, throw it in your tote bag, and the oh, entire yeah. day you have cold wine. That's fantastic. So it makes it super easy for transport. Uh, it allows you to tiptoe into glass-free zones without getting a ticket or hurting the environment. Mm -hmm. And then um, our last product is, actually that's not our last product that I have out here. Sorry, I didn't see that. Um, the uncorked wine glass. So this is a 14 ounce wine glass. It holds half a bottle of wine. Um, Super trendy looking and cute. Yeah, so we have 32 colors. Um, we have like a Carrera marble, we have a wood grain, we have an ombre, we have matte finishes, glitter finishes, holographic I'm going to go broke, sir. Yeah, <laughs> little something for everyone. Uh, we have wine straws, so they're, uh, you know, part of the eliminating plastic movement for us was just, uh, like most of our products, you know, they're all stainless steel, they're all reusable, we have a lifetime warranty, they last forever, so like every person that's using a wine glass, like, I mean, how many glasses have you seen broken in your lifetime, knocked oh, off yeah, by absolutely. your cat, or like a party, someone's like knocks it off the counter, or it's in your bag and it breaks, whatever it is. Um, our products don't have that issue. So I saw a lot of people using our wine glasses with plastic straws, and I'm like, that like defeats the purpose. So I created stainless straws to go with them. That's fantastic. Um, and then this is our newest product that I actually forgot about because it hasn't launched yet, but this is the glitter flask. Um, my personal fave. Yeah, so it's a five ounce hip flask. It has our um, glitter finish on it and then has like a rhinestone cap. So those will come in seven colors. Oh my gosh. And then I have a ton of products in the works. So I have a 64 ounce beer growler. I have a nice. 20 ounce pint glass and then a 20 ounce cocktail glass. I have a margarita glass, a martini glass, a champagne flute, um, a Belgian beer glass. Oh. Yeah, it's like a 13 ounce Belgian beer glass. And I'm into it. A few other things. Anytime I think you're done, you're always like, and then this, and then 12 other things, and then also these 14 other things, and all of them are great. Like, it never stops being wonderful. Well, so, like, the biggest thing for me is I make sure that every product that we carry is unique in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always looking at, like, what the competition's doing, um, and then trying to go away from that. Yeah. So, um, for instance, our wine glasses. Like, I was, Brewmate was the first company that launched a colored series for wine, like stainless wine glasses. Right. I launched them last year in February. Um, and within three months, I was already seeing like 
copies. Mm -hmm. um, there was a brand that had copied us and whatever, not a huge deal. Like I didn't pioneer the insulated wine glass, but like the idea of like adding color to it and like marketing it to that demographic <laughs> is kind of new. Um, and then within like two or three months after that, leading towards Christmas, like everyone else had like started jumping on board. Right. So I'm like, everyone has like the same wine glass. I don't want to carry it anymore. Yeah. So I doubled the size of it. Nice. So like now we have the world's largest insulated nice. wine glass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it has a closable top. And, I'm like, into it. So if I see someone doing something similar, like I get rid of it or I figure out a way to tweak it. Right. Um, so like all the products that we carry are either one of a kind or they have like a special future to them. Um, and so part of that, like all the new products that I mentioned are part of like our 2019 growth strategy. So those are all things that none of our competitors carry. Um, or if they do carry something similar, it's got like a significant difference. Um, do you get questioned on what the difference from your products and like those Yeti coolers are at all? Yeah, so the, the whole point of making sure all my products are unique is so I don't have to explain the difference. Yeah. yeah. So when people are like, well, what makes yours different? I'm like, well, Yeti doesn't have it. It makes it really simple. Like, I mean, it's an easy sale because like anytime someone's seen this product on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat mm -hmm. or wherever else, they're like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Or I've never seen that finish before. I've right. never seen something this large or I've never seen something with that finish. Whatever our differentiator is, they've never seen it. And if they haven't seen it, I get rid of it and I find a way to make sure that they haven't seen it. I love it. Um, and so that just, it makes it easy for us. Like that's kind of, again, running a lean company like we do is a millennial thing. Like you didn't see that. A company our size would have 30 or 40 employees typically. Yeah. I have one um, who was on board from the beginning and then I have a team of 17 that are freelancers. They all work remote. We don't have an office. Everyone works from home. We have a Slack <laughs> channel everyone communicates in. Um, but along with that, like I can literally wake up in the morning and go like, oh, I need to make this product. And then I go to my engineering team and I'm like, hey, like sketch me this product. And then within two weeks, I have a working prototype. And then two months after that, the product's like in my hands. No, most companies can't do that. Like they have so- How do you so find those people though? How do you find people <laughs> like that? Uh, yeah, so that's like all a, a learning curve. I mean, seriously, I, like putting together the team that I have now has been like a two year working process yeah. um, of hiring and firing and testing. And like they obviously didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Um, for manufacturing, I like had already visited China before on my previous uh, ventures and like kind of knew like how to source in China and I found, had found some like hacks on how to figure That's out. That's interesting, so you like, went to the source. Yeah, um, so a big thing that I use, uh, it's called Port Examiner. Mm -hmm. It's a tracking tool for incoming cargo containers. Okay. And so what I can do is I can look up every single one of my manufacturer uh, competitors and I can look up who they're using as their manufacturer in China. Interesting. And then I can go visit them. And because that, that's like the biggest thing is like building a company, you want to make sure that you're building it with a manufacturer that can keep up with your growth too. Yeah. And quality wise, um, volume wise, everything else. And so by doing that, I was able to figure out, you know, who my competitors were using. Because most of the time they don't own their own manufacturers. Like our facility is yeah. a $300 million facility. Most companies can't afford that. Yeah. Um, so I figured out who they were. I went and visited like three or four factories. I narrowed it down to one. Um, and then I've worked with them ever since. But uh, along with that though, is when they're working with larger companies like that, like they're really good about keeping things hush hush, yeah. make sure everything's separated from like the competitors. Like we have different manufacturing lines that other people don't have access to. Um, and stuff like that. So when you're working with like smaller manufacturers in China, a lot of times your products will get knocked off really quick because people will leak like schematics or um, they'll just create the product and sell it to people and claim that they're not, but they really are because there's no way for you to verify or whatever. Yeah. So um, 
but everything else is just kind of came along with time like I you know trial and error cool yeah no I think that's interesting to include I feel like these days we're so used to things being instant and like right away and being able to handle the ups and the downs I think is what kind of makes or breaks some people yeah yeah no for sure and that's the other thing too is like these bigger brands though I mean if anyone that's listening to this has worked with a bigger corporation you know how like long the process is to get just something really simple done yeah um with a smaller company like this uh not smaller like revenue wise but smaller like employee wise is like i'm the decision maker so if i say that something's gonna happen then it's gonna happen and then like it happens (laughs) you know there's there's not like 40 people debating for a year on like whether this is a good idea or not like i can figure out pretty simply like watch to my ambassador group hey what do you think about this idea love it cool let's do it <laughs> like, yeah, that's and, and uh so it allows us to move really fast though so um again like our competitors they launched like a carbon copy of our product and within two months we already had our brand new like version out on the market that's great and like started advertising again like hey like they have this we have this you know Keep um going. so yeah that's that's you know i don't believe in copying people's work um I, I get upset when people do it to me, so I don't do it to other people. Yeah. So if I can't figure out a way to make someone else's product better or create a product that someone else has already created, like I won't touch it. That's so. interesting. Well, I want to ask about the name itself. I mean, was there, you talk about everything being unique and different. Like, how did the name get formed? <laughs> so when I first started the company, um, I honestly just, again, I did not think it was going to turn into what it is today. That's mm-hmm. been a very long, like, every day just small changes uh, evolving us into where we are today but at the time I was like this would be a really cool product to launch out there and like maybe it'll do well maybe it won't I'm not sure but I'm gonna do it anyways Um, so the initial name before I had even like launched our prototype into Sun King was called cryo gear it's like cold gear yeah like it keeps you keeps you very cold Um, and within like 60 days I got a lawsuit from a company (gasps) called cryogenifex in Florida um, they do special effects for nightclubs using liquid oh, nitrogen. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, they said that we were infringing on their rights, and we we're like, you know, my lawyers were like, no, they're not, because you know you're in special effects for nightclubs. They're in drinkware, but they'd register their trademark in the barware industry, like space. Okay. So it like, so basically they miscategorized their trademark, and in return we were infringing. So I was like, whatever. Like I haven't even launched the product yet. I'll change it. So I spent like two weeks. At this point, though, I had already talked to Sun King and like felt really good about the product and stuff. So I went back to the drawing board and just really wanted to create a brand name that I felt like would resonate with our demographic. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I mean, it probably took me three weeks to narrow it down to a name that worked to where like we could get the trademarks, where like the social media handles were available, to where like the SEO for that brand name didn't come up with like another company. Yeah. Um, so finally, I narrowed it down to Roommate, um, and it's basically like we're your drinking buddy. Like we keep your drinks cold. And, or your your best friend when it comes to that and that's that's what it is and people love it and I love it I'm happy with it I'm yeah, glad they no, sued me because so I would have been <laughs> creating a company around a name that I hate like I look back and I'm like that was cringeworthy like I hated it <laughs> so roommate is phenomenal it's great yeah. yeah but so that's the other thing too is like um you know that was really nerve-wracking when it first happened I was really upset about it and stuff yeah. and I look back and it was actually a blessing in disguise so that's a big thing in business is like sometimes like something may seem bad on paper but like after time you'll realize it was actually a good thing yeah um so i'm always really open-minded when changes happen now i don't like look at them negatively i just look at it and go okay like maybe this is a good thing maybe not um and just figure out what to do with it 
Well, there, there seems to be an air of realism in all the decisions you make and the way that you handle things. Like a confidence, but not an overconfidence. Like let's realistically assess this and like knowing what you can do. Yeah, confidence can be like actually dangerous. So when I talk about self-confidence, it's really important. But if you're overconfident, that comes back to like the people that think that their idea is like completely right and they can never be wrong and they're so confident in their idea that they're not willing to listen to feedback and that's really dangerous like yeah. you have to be confident enough to know that people want it but humble enough to listen to people and take their feedback and create a product that they actually want mm-hmm. um and so yeah i mean that's that's probably the biggest thing honestly because uh, you can hustle your way through anything um, as long as you kind of listen to your customer demographic and figure out if you have a solid product like it's pretty hard to fail. Yeah. But if you're just if you launch a product that no one wants mm-hmm. and you didn't listen to them in the first place, yeah, like yeah. that's when things fail. So right. just listen. Well, it seems that you are much older than you actually are. Like you have this wisdom to you. So can you talk about being a twenty four year old who's acquired all this wealth, all this success? Do you still find yourself wanting the things that typical twenty four year olds want? I mean my buddies are all at the bars on the weekend, like having a good time and living it up before like we lose our youth. I mean, do you still have that youth to you or do you feel like you're focused on bigger and more forward things? So, I mean, you'd have to ask people around me, but I don't feel like I'm a fun sucker. Like I'm not like super, I'm not like super serious all the time. But, like, oh, like I only work, I don't drink. Like I do have fun. Clearly, you can have I do have fun. Like, um, you know, I'm probably working while I'm out, but like I go out to the bars. I, I mean, it's not like I live at the bars, but I go out and yeah. I grab drinks with friends. I'm more low key though. Like I'm not really, I like really like Mass Ave. I don't really go to brothers or places like Mass that. Mass Ave is it's wonderful. too loud. It's like a high school reunion of people I don't want to see and whatever. But um, like Mass Ave and places like that, like I'll go out, I'll get drinks, hang out with friends, yeah. whatever. I mean. Um, Do you have a special tie to Indianapolis? I mean, is there a reason that you're still here? Or? I moved to Denver in February. Oh my God. How exciting! That'll be phenomenal. Yeah, I go out there to snowboard all the time. Very cool. I'm like, hey, I've lived here my whole life. Why not? You know, our whole team's remote now. We don't have a warehouse. We don't have office space here. Nothing that's tying us here. Do you have a product that keeps things warm if you need a hot chocolate after you're snowboarding? Oh yeah, I forgot to talk about that. So all of our products are dual dual purpose. They actually keep things cold and warm. So like the wine glass, you can use for coffee in the morning and then wine at night. Cool. Um, Doesn't matter. Same thing for the the wine side. I don't recommend using like coffee or anything that like is really heavy on odor, just because like that'll affect um, your drinking experience with wine. So if you leave like coffee in there for two days, it's really hard to get the smell out. Right. um, So I recommend only using that for wine. But everything else is good to go for warm products and cold products. That's amazing. That's so interesting. Yeah, but like I mean, I guess it comes back to I still live a normal life. Um, I Monday through Friday I work and I get stuff done and on the weekends I still work but I have fun yeah. while doing it I travel a lot um, I really like to travel it's like my big thing that's what I'm kind of interested in like do you travel do you go places I mean what what is the difference between life now and life before now that you're running the successful company yeah so I mean I actually don't pay myself a salary so like you keep talking about wealth and stuff but I actually don't pay myself um, I live off of credit card points. Okay. I have multiple credit cards that um, we earn like a lot of points with through like Facebook ads and stuff like that. And so okay. literally every month I have uh, like a budget set aside of the points we earned from last month and that's my spending money for the month. And interesting, very so interesting. I use to pay my rent and my car loans and everything else. And yeah, I don't, I don't pull any money from the company. Um, but like I also budget that out. So I'm like, if I have 
you know, some extra money and I'll be like, oh, like next month I'll go do this or whatever else. Um, but like lifestyle difference, I mean, I've always liked to travel. Like even before mm-hmm. I would travel and now I can just do a little bit more freely. Yeah. I don't like to travel for like long periods of time though. Because yeah. like even though, I don't know how to explain it. Like I just feel like I work better from home. Like I'm comfortable there. Yeah, that's your zone. You know, and like when I'm out traveling, like I just feel like, especially if I'm in a different time zone, mm-hmm. like I was just in Hawaii and it was I think eight hour difference. And so it was eight hours behind though. So like yeah. I, it just completely messed me up. Like, right. You know, I was waking up in the middle of the day here and like I had so many things, like I'm waking up at 8 a.m. there and I already have like 10 calls and 50 emails and like my Slack line is like blowing up and it was like super stressful, so I don't like that. Um, but after like a week or so, I'm ready to come home and it's pretty much a, I don't know. Home is where the heart is. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic talking with you and learning a little bit about how you got your start and who you are as a person. and maybe where we're going to see this going in the future. That's so exciting. I mean, I definitely know what my parents are getting for their future Christmas gifts and what I'm getting for myself for my Christmas gifts. <laughs> um, it's been wonderful to learn about you and your products. And uh, we hope everybody who's listened enjoyed and has a great night.